Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the world famous Sex Actually podcast, aka The Sap, formerly known as You Up. It is your boy Dave Neal with co-host, co-fiance, co-grape eater, if you're watching on the YouTube, Tasha Marie Courtney. What up? Boy, we are conquering the quarantine. We're thriving from the home studio. Things are on the upswing. We see light at the end of the tunnel. How do you feel today, Tasha Courtney? Hanging in there. Hanging in there. We'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> Hanging in there. Yeah. Better than the last episode we recorded. The one you deleted? The one I deleted. What if, what if I told you I didn't delete it? You wouldn't know the difference because you don't check, do you? I don't check, but I would be really annoyed. <laughs> We're trying to get people to subscribe to the podcast. Tasha's like, we do a podcast? <laughs> I thought we've been having these weird conversations with these microphones around. This could be a good case study in the future for uh, couples if we make it or kill each other. Like, I'll tell you what, if we kill each other, like double homicide, suicide. Netflix has so much to use. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine how many downloads we'd get? <laughs> By the way, Tasha's eating uh, cotton candy grapes. These grapes are so good. I kind of feel bad because the last Patreon episode, Jonesy and I just talked about the types of frozen pizza we wanted to eat. And so now the, we're going to talk about grapes? Yeah, like no one should be hungry if they're listening. Sorry. There's something. Well, how about this new water we've got? LaCroix <laughs> has come out with a new flavor of sparkling water and it's watermelon flavor. And I haven't tried it yet. You haven't, have you? Things are pretty exciting over here at the podcast studio. We've got new flavored water. It, uh, oh, good job, Tasha. You're talking over the noise of the bubbles. Sorry, wait, here, here, pour it, pour it right in front of the microphone. Here we go. Right, wait, no, little jiggle. Faster than that. Jesus Christ, it could take forever. Someone's peeing their pants right now. And then get the bubbles. When you're done pouring, get the bubbles real close up. Ready? There it is, folks. This is it. <laughs> you, you and your bossy attitude. We haven't even been here three minutes. You already yelled at me for making noise when I pinched my hand. Pinched your hand? Yeah, you said your mic's on. Because the oh, song is that was playing. Did? Well, I'm just letting you know your mic was in case you want to be like, man, fuck this podcast. Fuck these assholes. Hey, guys, how we doing? Welcome to the podcast. I'm just letting people know. Now I'm pouring mine. All right, I won't make everyone listen to the whole thing. What if what if they're like, oh, their production value is great. They're adding all this post-production, pretending that they're eating. Oh, I shouldn't be pouring over the brand new mixer. The Roadcaster Pro that we're using, guys, if you... Um, if you're new to the podcast or have just jumped on, we've invested in new audio technology. It's the Rodecaster Pro. It's from Australia, the company Rode, R-O-D-E. They make this Class A servo-biased preamp onboard mixer. I just read that off the thing. I don't know what that means. But it uh, basically means when I'm not talking, it shuts my mic off. When you're not talking, it shuts yours off. But that doesn't mean you can't chew that strawberry into the microphone and you know, I got, and then I can take phone calls. I can play weird music. I can, um, I can do like stuff like this. It's good to know. Next time Tasha hits us with some truth, I can play that and we can take phone calls. But I'll tell you what, I am kind of sick of Skype interviews. I don't yeah, even it's been tough. It's not, it's not good to shit on the product, but boy, it is tough. It is tough when, you know, we're talking to somebody and they're not, their, their audio might not be that good. And it's just that that half a second delay makes such a difference. It's really actually, to be honest, we've been trying to do these like Zoom parties with friends, right? Or with our family, your family, my family. It's annoying. I already find it hard to talk in a group setting because you know how people are. They just fucking talk over you. Like it's obviously your turn to talk and they just keep talking. And you can either keep talking with them 
or just concede your time. And like how often, I mean, on our family Skype call the other night, I was like talking and my sister was talking and she just kept fucking talking. Well, because when she's talking, it ducks your noise, which means it's got like smart technology. So she doesn't hear anyone else's thing. It tries to pick up just her. And same thing for you. But you're like, oh no, it's horrible. I tried to get a joke in. Trying to interject and like, it's, it really is impossible. It's not fun at all. And I, I don't even like talking. I'm an introvert. I don't need much time. But it's still, with all that said, it's still nice that we've been able to, I mean, quite a blessing. I don't know if any other families are taking advantage of this, but I'm playing poker with guys I played high school football with. And I know that sounds like horrible to some, but like, it has been lovely catching up with some people. I mean, I'm talking 10, 15 years. You talk to all your international friends. That's really cool. I had an international phone call, video chat yesterday. All because we've always talked online. We always talk in like photo, comment, threads, you know, we we do all that. Facebook. Facebook. We do all that. But it was the first time we've all got on a chat together since we studied abroad and traveled the world together. So we had people coming in from Barcelona. We had Mexico, uh, Quebec, Australia. I mean, we've really had a, I mean, I know that's not everywhere, but it's inter, it's it's amazing as men. And I'll tell you this. I don't know. Let me know if you've had this experience. When I studied abroad, Etienne was three years older than me. I was tw- I was 19. He was 23 or turning 23. He was three, four years older than me. Puker was older. These guys were a little bit like, I feel like uh, in other countries, it's, a, it's like okay to take longer with your studies. I feel like in the U.S., they're like, all right, you graduate high school, get right into college, this and that. These guys kind of like live life a little bit. Yeah, well, most Europeans, and I don't know about other places, but I, I feel like everybody else takes a gap year, at least. Yeah, or sometimes people... That's not a common concept here. I have, I know one person in my fraternity out of out of 100 or so people that actually did that, that went, that's went into the workforce and then came back to school. It's just, it just doesn't seem to happen. But so for me to study abroad at the, at the age of 19, being pretty ignorant... As an American going abroad, not knowing a lot of things, that was... Your outfits, boy. Oh, my outfits. <laughs> uh, if anyone wants to peruse my old Facebook photos, I'm leaving them up there, folks. I had a baguette in one hand. I was doing the whole I was doing the whole French hat. Why are you wearing a tank top in every photo? A tank top and a hat. Well, I did not and get... And you've got la- a tan. I did not get laid And enough. I know you do not tan naturally. So what's going on? Well, Were you putting on self-tanner no, those during photos, those days? No, I never put on self-tanner. I would go to a tanning bed, but not... No, I was in. I was studying in the south of France. So the first month of being abroad, it was, you know, we were out by, by the beach all day. I mean, it was a nice cultural lesson. We were, we were topless beaches. You know what it's like to have a boner in the water and you're done being in the water, but you can't leave the water? <laughs> There's no getting out of the water when you have a boner. <laughs> At a topless beach in France. It's not cold water. No, you're in the Mediterranean. It's the best. It's the it's the best in the world. It's amazing. I mean, I wouldn't know. Oh, it's amazing. But my point is, is something happens, and again, I, it's hard to equate this to things I don't know. But I can imagine, you know, having fought a war. But I can imagine the camaraderie I have meeting these guys in a foreign land is like how a lot of people have that you know, with their brigade or whatever it is. I know that sounds horrible to say. I'm not equating it to people that have fought and served for the country, but I'm just saying these guys, if, if I need, if I need to access deep emotions fast, it's thinking about them. I think it's interesting. You have a lot of nostalgia for these like different periods in your life. And I feel like everyone has experienced this. You live a certain place. You have a certain group of friends, even if it's just like your high school friends versus your college friends 
different cities that you lived in. I have these like, they're almost like, um, uh, what's a good word? Like cabinets. <laughs> they're like cabinets of my life that are all very distinct and separate. Yeah. And then when you are done with that phase of your life, you know, you may not speak to those people anymore. You move on to a different sector but of you your got, life. That you, looks have, you have some real uh, unfinished business. What does that mean? You, with that one roommate, you have unfinished business. You know why I know that? Because we like stopped, we were, you know, walking through, I'm not going to say what city we were in, but you know what city we were in. And you're like, oh, I think that's where we used to live together. And we we stopped talking. And then one day we just didn't talk anymore. You That's unresolved, babe. I, you are making it way more sentimental than it really is. Because uh, I don't compartmentalize <laughs> it. I see something and I go, that's a part of your past that's like, she might think of you as an asshole and you might think of her as an asshole. She might be a mom. You guys might have, you you might really enjoy sending her a postcard and being like, hey, you know, because don't get me wrong. I, I have past roommates and friendships that have never, that haven't always ended well. And it's like almost making amends like they do in AA. It's like, I need to apologize for- I don't feel the for- need to do that here. And I don't know if maybe that's just me and I'm a weirdo, but I am perfectly okay. Like, I don't think that it's, that it's necessarily a good idea to try and bring people from different parts of your life into your current life. No, no, no. Or well, your new I, life. I agree, but it's yeah, about you unburdening. You've grown unburdening. apart for a reason. I, I don't have unburdening to do. You've completely projected all this do. whole scenario on <laughs> we me. We all do. I just was excited to show you my beautiful apartment <laughs> in what is one of the most expensive cities What an amazing is. night that was. That was so nice to take my current love and walk through and see some of your past. It's always, it's always nice. It's like going to a museum. It's nice to see someone's like, like you got to go to a wedding to my buddy, Josh White's wedding where I, where I got to see some old fraternity brothers that I haven't seen since we graduated really, or, or shortly thereafter. Was that, what was, were you able to see, were you able to better triangulate who I am from seeing them or was it what you expected? Yeah. I think it's always nice to like dip your toe into an old life. Like it does give you a, a rounder vision of your person. Yeah. But but this isn't glory days for me. Like talking to these guys and you're talking to my European friends, it's like um we want such happiness for each other. I mean, I've never had so much unconditional love. I mean, I, this is obviously separate Tasha. Like we're this, and I was thinking about this, but it's like we're together, right? We're experiencing things together. I'm tapping into a slice of life from someone in Barcelona going through the coronavirus. I'm finding out his six-year-old daughter gets to go to the park for the first time after an eight-week shutdown. It's like, this is wild information that like it's, I'm just happy for them. I'm happy that none of them are sick and I'm happy that they're, they're all ha- having success and all that. But I'm also like, uh, f- for those loyal podcast listeners, you know, two years ago, I went to Chicago when my buddy Brecht von Pucker was in town from Belgium and uh, Brecht and I got to do a, a podcast episode together. And uh, it's just... Um, I'm glad I've been able to stay in touch with all of them. And I've like, like what I told them, I told them as I was signing off on the video chat, I was like, look, sometimes they know that I'm like always the last person to respond. They're always like, where's Dave? Where's Dave? Cause I'll, I'll read all of their comments in a chat thread and I'll almost not respond out of resistance for knowing there's so much I want to say that I don't know how to even express that. And I know that's crazy for me to say Jabberjaw Dave. Well, it's almost like the resistance that people have when they're like trying to write a book or 
start a podcast or whatever. Someone with a son that, you know, they fucked up with and they don't know if the son wants to talk to him. Did you fuck up? No, I'm saying no, 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 none of these guys. No, we're all in amazing terms. But like if you had if you had a relationship, that's not great, but it can be, uh, you know, swept under the rug. So whether it's a, a, a father who you're not in touch with or whatever, it's just easy. That's where the resistance can come in when it's not in your face. What's all what are the things you want to say? You know, I don't know. I never had I never had any. um I never had any regret for not having a certain type of conversation with my dad before he passed away. And then everyone else is alive. So there's a sort of feeling like there's always tomorrow with my mom. We're actually at a pretty good place. You know, but you know, my mom's kind of a strange cat. Uh, she's, she's a, she's a unique beast. Uh, she's a, she's a force to be reckoned with and I love her for that, but it doesn't mean it's uh, not abrasive sometimes, but there's nothing I can't really say to her. And, I, and I'm learning what to sort of let slide. Like the other day, I was like, yeah, we had a pretty crazy earthquake. And in her response, move home. <laughs> I'm just not going to respond to that, Connie. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to say to that? But we did have a crazy earthquake. That was wild. Yeah. Why are you, what are you laughing for? I'm, I don't know. Did your mom try to get you to move home? No. She doesn't give a shit about you moving home? No. Uh, I, I feel like we probably would not get along well if I lived oh. close to home. You called her out on Zoom the other day. What I say? And she said something about you, and you're like, "This, you made me this way." <laughs> like the whole Zoom chat's like, "Whoa!" <laughs> what are you talking about? I had, I had a, this. This ties in, so I'm not, I'm not stealing this convo. I had a great chat. I don't know. This is what's funny. I don't know if I had this chat with Jonesy or with myself. It was either on the solo Patreon episode or with Jonesy, or, or you know what? It might have been on the solo, um, SAP episode. I started doing Friday episodes. If you guys listen to that, I'm doing Friday episodes now while we're in quarantine. But um, I said I. <laughs> And Rainer brought this up. Rainer messaged me. So I don't know. I don't know if this is where I said it, but I said we should be able to invoice our partner's exes for whatever damage they caused yeah, us. Yeah, it was the solo episode. I feel like I heard you recording it. Or, well, oh, it was Patreon, maybe. It was Patreon then. No, no, no. It was a solo episode. Yeah. So, in, but also, I think you should be able to invoice your partner's parents. For whatever, like, like you are definitely, go well. <laughs> you're afraid of spiders. I should be able to invoice your mom for the fact that you wake up in the middle of the night yelling about spiders. Like, what did you do? Did you take her camping? Whoa. <laughs> I love camping. I, I think, I think that, you know how they talk about like, um, trauma can be passed down, uh, through genetics. I think that I have an ancestor way back who was like bit by a spider and died. Sure. Because my dad gets these really violent dreams too. I don't know if he dreams about spiders, but either way, we both, we have, we have violent dreams. Violent dreams run in our family. If you could invoice one of my exes for damage, what would it be? What would be the title of the invoice? $500 build out because. Do you have that much baggage? I mean, there's this one ex that you talk about that like, you know, ended things with you and like got back with her like military ex or something that that's no, it's not that do, I, does that like care? I don't feel like that carries over into our relationship. So I don't feel the need to invoice your exes. Oh, you're better than me. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Cause I got some invoices for your exes. Like, where do I start? No, it's just that, you know, and it's not necessarily that your exes. It, uh, it's, it's that we have to unpack we have to unpack luggage, aka baggage, 
that we didn't fold. So it's almost like I got I got to unpack shit that I didn't fold that's wrinkly as fuck. I don't know where all the pieces are, and that's due to your past. I don't know all the pieces to what makes you the way you are. I, I have to learn. Don't press on that thing because she's just having a moment. Don't, don't push on this. Don't, don't, um, don't draw a line in the sand, Dave, on, uh, on this issue because time's going to pass and she's just venting about something. Versus in the past where I would, I, I've always been this way, logical. Uh, anyone been in a fight with use logic? <laughs> Good luck. No, but I've in the past, um, you know, I want, you know, want to make sure I got things on the right page. I want to make sure that we're good. And sometimes we don't have to, like you want to, you always want to have the other person know that, know that they're heard, but you don't always have to solve everything right away. You know, I think that's a, I think that's something that is good to remember for the quarantine. We don't have to solve shit right away. We just have to hear and understand and, and try to do better. But Cause I, my, my, uh, what do you, what do you do? You, I don't even know what you're talking about or where you're going. Hey everybody. How are you today? Uh, I'm just trying to transition into something else so I could use some help here. You just let me talk. <laughs> I'm not compass. trying to chime in every time I bring it. Listen, boy, I, it takes a lot of patience to do this podcast every week. Why? You don't do it every week. It takes a lot of patience to do this podcast when I do it. <laughs> Well, we're happy to have you. And I like, we haven't had a Dave and Tasha episode in a um, relative, I don't know, it's been a couple of weeks, but we were talking about something the other day in the car. And I think you had mentioned this would be great podcast to talk. Do you remember yeah, what we're talking about? Shut up so we could save it for the podcast. Yeah. What was it? Well, so let's, here it is. So the question is when you're with, this isn't a question anyone asked. This is just a question we're asking as a, as a couple, I guess. When you're with a partner, why is it that you lose interest in their... No, you had a specific example. You were talking about someone. Well, I'm going to get to it. So the question was why, why do partners seem to sort of lose interest in the aura and the thing that, that, that wow factor? No, that wasn't, that wasn't the, the key issue of it. So why don't you tell us what it actually was? Okay, so Casey Neistat is don't look like you just got your fucking foot Killing ran over. me. I was gonna I have an order I'm going in. I start there and then I <laughs> yeah, go. Yeah, but your interpretation of the situation was flawed, which is why I don't want you to open with your flawed interpretation. I want you to open with the scenario that got us talking about this thing the other day, which is you were watching Casey Neistat's videos and you saw that in the background Wait, of up. some hold of on, his videos. No, I'll set it People up. Don't know I'm who setting he is. it up. Say who he is. People know who he is. He's a YouTuber. He makes a ton of money making videos on youtube <laughs> dave was watching his videos because he's youtube obsessed and he noticed that in the background of casey neistat's videos his wife is sometimes in them and doesn't look thrilled annoyed she looks annoyed she looks annoyed bothered and you were saying i wonder you know about her level of resentment blah 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 despite the fact that their whole life is paid for 10 times over by Casey Neistat's YouTube videos and I said that there's a million reasons why my she might be annoyed in the background and I don't think that that's um necessarily reflective of how she feels about him and his craft right yes but the idea is that even though what it, the the question that I have that stems from this is if you love somebody 
you're, you're usually attracted to a lot of different things about them. Why does it seem that you start taking those things for granted? Put it this way. Our friend, uh, our friend, um, what's our magician friend's name? Uh, Carl. Carl. So take Carl, right? Carl's a world-class magician. I've used him as an example before because because it's 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 parallel to comedy and it's not me. Well, it's a creative art. So Carl is one of the best magicians in the world. He can do a magic trick and make the whole audience he get a standing ovation. It's incredible how quickly he can change the energy of a room based on his perfection of sleight of hand, right? Women who are respectful of a guy who can command an audience, show his place that he's mastered something, uh, will fall for him in a second. But if they see him do those magic tricks after a couple of years, they don't give no fucks about case about but Carl's magic. But that's true with anything, right? Like the shine wears off the after shine, a while. It's like that's a good way to put it. Well, it's like the novelty wears off. Like you you come out with a new joke. It's the first time I hear it. It's a hot room. It goes well. I'm like, damn, that's a really funny joke. Oh, honey, the, thank you. That's the episode, everybody. We got to <laughs> give a shout out. The 20th time I hear the same joke, it's not as funny as the first time you heard it. That's true with, with, with anything, any area of life. I had to uh, edit an old clip of something that you were recording from the, the wings of a small theater, Lyric Hyperion. And you were laughing in the clip. And it was amazing because I'm not used to you laughing at me unless I fall or you hit me in the balls. There's very specific things you'll laugh at. But I understand it's, yeah, it's like, it would, and you know, and you know what the, the weird part about that, it, the position you're in is that the more I polish a joke up and make it funnier, the less you're going to laugh at it because you've already heard the premise and everything. So, so I, I totally understand. But there was when I was little elementary school age, there was this group that would come to our church and do a performance once a year. And it was an improv troupe. It was sort of like, uh, uh, what's that show that w- whose line Wayne? Is it anyway? Yes. It was like, whose line is it? Wayne. Right? Wayne, uh, Brady. Wayne Brady. Yeah. Um, White people love themselves in Wayne Brady. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was like that. And I remember the first year that they came and I saw them. Oh my God. I thought they were hysterical. It was literally like one of the coolest, greatest things I had ever seen. And actually I should, I should ask my cousin Kyle about this because he probably was there. Um, How old were you? I would say elementary school age. They're doing improv for elementary school? Or maybe middle school. Must be a hot improv. And I remember (laughs) um, like I bought their CD. I don't remember how much it was or like their DVD. It was probably like 40 bucks. How did you get this money? I don't know. My mom. Jesus Christ. I I could barely afford a a racer set from the Scholastic School Bus. And you're buying an improv DVD? (laughs) Fuck. And, uh... (laughs) It was just, it was freaking awesome. And my sister and I would like reenact their, uh, their sets or whatever. Like we would like play these games with each other. And the next year they came back to the church and I saw that they were like going to be performing in like the youth group bulletin or whatever. Church friendly improv. This sounds like a complete hell. (laughs) And, uh, I was so excited that they were going to be there and I like, told all my friends about it and like everybody was super excited for them to come back because we just thought the year before was freaking killer year two it's the same stuff 
same jokes, same act, same act. It was not funny. I was so disappointed. Isn't it amazing when you take away the aura when you when you put expectation into a situation, how how different it can the, the outcome is. Like yeah, yeah, and they probably had the same the same set. They just you know that happens a lot when people see comics. They see them a couple years later and it's the same jokes. And but that's go, exactly what we're talking oh. about now. Is like you know, the novelty wears off. Something new is always going to be more exciting than something that you've seen a million times. And I don't think that she's a Casey Neistat in particular. I don't think that she, um, is not appreciative of his craft. I don't think that she's annoyed with him. I think probably, you know, they're real people with real round lives that, you know, I said to you, she probably like, you know, wishes he was helping her with something else that's on her to-do list that day instead of walking around with a camera in his face. And that's okay. She's allowed those feelings. Like, right. you know, they're, they're to make their marriage work, obviously, they're going to have to prioritize their how the, their time is spent. And I'm sure that she knows that he needs time to make his videos that are paying all their bills. And I'm sure he knows that he has to dedicate a couple of days a week to not making videos to spend time with his wife and family. You know, it's interesting because we are hardcore projecting. We have no, maybe she just got out of the dentist for all we know. But I think I have a hunch at what's going on there. And it's it's interesting because you the grass is always greener on the other side. So like I say this week with us. I, as much as you want me to be home at certain times, and again, this is not applicable to the last six weeks because I've been up your asshole, uh, literally up her ass every day. I mean, I am just killing it with the quality time. But uh, the thing is, is like you, like you, like you. Imagine if I worked a nine to six, and I imagine if Casey Neistat worked. And I mean, he's able to take lunch breaks, he's able to take vacations, he's able to travel. Like we forget of all the joys yeah. of, that come with gig with the gig lifestyle especially in his case when you're actually making dough you know all right but just to interject here you get mad every time we take a trip that involves any work at all you know i've told you i've told you this that the hard part for me is it's because i haven't given myself the permission to feel good about where i am in my career and that's the simple way to put it so I need to work on that and I've learned what that is, but it has helped because but we're talking specifically about like work and travel combo, but think about like, you know, when we're making content and I'm super excited about something, the content that we're making and like, I just want to keep going and going, Oh, one more shot. Let's do this. Let's do that. And I'm on a creative role and you're annoyed and rolling your eyes and have your arms crossed and you just want to be floating in the pool. That is, is the same feeling that I have when you're just like on your 10th hour of editing something that I have no investment in. Right. You know, like sometimes you, your creative juices are just really going and you're in the flow and like you don't want to stop working on this project that you're really excited about. And you know what's interesting is that money won't solve these problems. Uh, I, I do think money, I think when you're making the right kind of money that when you're making money doing what you love doing, I think it frees up a lot of time for other, uh, you know, other types of free time. But Tom Brady, have you heard of him? The goat greatest of all time, Thomas Edward Brady from Santa Barbara, California, standing six foot the five, the Buccaneers own Tom Brady. I'm a new Bucks fan, folks. Fuck the Patriots. No, I'm kidding. But seriously, Tom Brady. And uh, he had to, he, ha he was on the rocks with Giselle. Have you heard of her, Bungeon? 
from Brazil, the world's most famous model of all time, the highest, goat, high, highest earning model, highest of all earnest time. model, the goat marrying the goat. She and they so they got more money they, they in the world, right? She wanted was, you know, their their relationship was on the rocks because of his off season commitments. So and, and again, this is all he this is all stuff he talked about in his Howard Stern interview. But Tom Brady, with all of their assistance and things that they had in the off season, he would put off all of his um, corporate obligations till the off season. So she would give him the full season, you know, which is a long season to be committed to football. But then in the off season, he would push aside what was a given, which is family. So we take advantage, we take for granted our family. And then she had to be like, no, 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 you need to spend more time with the kids. So what he had to do uh, the last couple of years of football was stop going to the off season training program that he would always go to. He doesn't either. They're not mandated. It's it's a voluntary off season training, which by voluntary, everybody goes to until you're someone at the level like him who's bulletproof. Yeah, but he can afford to get his trainers there on his schedule to work out at his home gym, his home field. I'm sure he has one in his backyard. He has a home field in Montana. So he'll go up to big sky up to Montana where he's got a full football field and bring his receivers. But the point is, is that she had to draw the lines and say, no, I'm not, I'm not okay with how this is going. And, and, um, yeah, but the reason that they're able to save their relationship is because a, she spoke up about her needs the needs of the kids and the family and what her expectations were. And he heard what she had to say and followed through making changes that were going to take those needs and considerations into account. Sure. And in the end, I mean, just like Casey Neistat and just like Tom Brady and just like when I'm editing again, I'm not comparing myself to TV. I'm not, but everything is done so that there's pro that there, that I can provide for you and for the family. Everything I'm doing, all these—I mean, I'm making some weird guys. I'm making some weird YouTube content that's coming out. I'm I'm shooting this weird drone series. I'm about to uh, post online, so follow my YouTube, Dave Neal. I got no following. I got 2,036 followers. You shouldn't know how many exact followers you have, <laughs> but I know. And I'm trying to beef that shit up so that I can go direct to the source. Just like the farmers are selling us collard greens directly from the farm to the table. That's what comics, that's the new game plan. Fuck comedy clubs, fuck uh, comedy festivals, fuck all that shit. Agents who want something else for the demographic, Comedy Central, they all can go suck bags of cock. The idea is, by the way, if you're listening and you're an executive, this is hyperbole, you can call me. It's totally fine. Don't worry about it. I getting good at that. But the point is, is that, um, it's all about go, it's all about going direct to the market. And that's what the podcast is, the YouTube and all that jazz. So when I'm editing something to try to make it perfect, yeah, I get the gratification knowing I'm putting out my good content, but that's what I'm meant to do, baby. I'm meant to create and I'm just trying to get as good at it as I can so we can live the life we have imagined. Now I pulled up a few things there, Tasha Marie, that we were, um, that we were talking about when it comes to, uh, sort of feeling bitterness about your partner pursuing their goals over you, because that's sort of what we're talking about. I know this is going to sound shallow, but hear me out. It really is an attention thing. What do you mean? In Giselle's case, in Casey Neistat's wife's case, it's like they're it's like they're doing but all he- the hard work. They want to know that you're going to co- con- contribute too. It's not so you can't just buy your way out of it. It's like it's like if if it it's like emotional labor. Like if one person was doing all the labor, whether it be emotional or physical, 
they're going to resent the other person who's pursuing their passions, even if the other person's p- providing. Do you know what I mean? Well, uh, you s- uh, sure. I think that's a small piece of a big puzzle. You said it's an attention thing, but the way you said it made it sound like attention is a bad thing or a selfish thing or a frivolous thing. It's not a frivolous thing. Uh, attention is a real need. It's babies, a, it's a love you know, language. it's called failure to thrive, and it happens when babies don't receive any attention. Like once a baby's born, it's not justified. Even if it got food, if it wasn't being held or loved, babies don't don't make it. Which one of us got less attention as a baby? I mean, you I know I didn't probably. get attention in my adolescence, but I don't I don't know about as a baby. I don't remember being a baby, so I couldn't tell you. I remember sucking on them titties. <laughs> Were you breastfed? I don't know. That's got to be part of it. I my mom t- this I shouldn't know this, but apparently I was a hard biter. <laughs> and uh, I don't think my mom breastfed too long with me. <laughs> Apparently, I was a biter. Yeah, I got big teeth. I was chomping, chomping at the bit. A newborn with teeth. Yeah, boy, <laughs> came in with canines, going right at it. So, this is from Psychology Today, which we love to read because they're stupid. It's like the USA Today of you know. Do you take your relationship for granted? Congratulations. Why calmness and trust are couples' greatest achievements. In all affairs, it's a healthy thing now and then to hang a question mark on the things you have long taken for granted. Being taken for granted can be a compliment. It means that you've become a comfortable, trusted element in another person's life. Now, look, of course, you shouldn't want to embrace the feeling you feel, that lowly feeling when you're being taken for granted. But it is nice. like No, it's like it's a reminder that like, yeah, this person might ne- be neglecting you, but it's because they think of you as like a sure thing yeah, and, and, and a safe that, bet. And like they can call that a compliment all they want, but it doesn't make it feel any better. But it is true that it comes from a place of, you know, like you we had this problem a long time ago. I think we do much better about it now. Certainly we're doing better in quarantine when we're stuck here with each other. But you, (laughs) you used to feel like you didn't need to give me any like quality time or special attention because you assumed that we would have quality time when you got home at 10 or 11 or whatever time, because we live together. So like knowing that like we're sleeping in the same bed, you sort of feel like you are experiencing life with me, even if we're not going out of our way to have quality time. And what are the other things? I still wish you would hold on. I wish the quality time we have together, you would hold on to longer. It seems like it just, it leaves so fast. It's like we could spend a week together then, then the first day, I'm like back to the grind, getting shit done. And you're like, babe, what are you doing out of there? And you paying attention to me. Well, it's a constant. And I'll be fix. like, we just went to fucking Colombia. You know? Yeah, but just because we spent a week together doesn't mean you can then neglect me for three weeks. And Honey, like, I'm going to be we've chill. We've spent six weeks with me nuzzled up your asshole. And I swear, I go for a jog for 15 minutes. And you're like, when will you be home? Bitch, when will I be home? How about how about next month? I've given you so much. It's so what it really is is that your your well is very precise. And again, this relates back to to your um, self described um, uh, uh, being a highly sensitive person. I think I think a highly sensitive person can have a very skinny love well. <laughs> your love well is very like I can fill it like I can fill it quickly, but then you know it can one sunny day and it's evaporated out. It's like can we get a stopper to that love well? Can we? You know, get some rubber sealant at the bottom so it doesn't leak. What's going on with your love? Well, you know what I mean? Okay, back to whatever you were talking about. Well, so anyway, there was just a thing that says um, the, the advice uh, 
you know, they're, they're offering advice on what to do when you think your partner's taking advantage, uh, taking you for granted. Um, and um, taking your partner for granted, on the other hand, is typically associated with stability and confidence in the status quo, which can lead to the assumption that no further effort or resources need to be invested. That's like when a guy says, when a girl's like, uh huh, you never say you love me. He's like, well, I told you last week I loved you and I love you until otherwise presented. Like very, some people are very logical. I'm not that way. I say I love you all the time. But some people are very, are very like, um, I don't know, like uh, weird or analytical, whatever the t- their type of brain is with how they express themselves. They're like, what do you mean I don't tell you I love you? I got the mail out of the thing. Like we're all different. I cook you food. I don't think you properly appreciate my food cooking, but that's my love. You know, I'm, I got collard. I'm making collard greens. I got steak marinating in the fridge and potatoes. And I even shaved off those tiny, you know, I made beet salad yesterday. Don't fuck with me, Tasha Courtney. I made beet salad. That's love. Okay. Beets are not easy to cook, right? So the, I didn't cook them. I mean, whatever. So the point is, is that like you, as much as um, I, I can, I can try my best to give you your type of love language. And again, I'm not saying we have a problem with this, but you have to also realize that by me holding away in the kitchen, working really hard at how I'm going to cook something to make it look right, that's, that is gold coming from me. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is all part of learning each other's love languages. We have been talking about this for years. I propose that although this advice is adequate with regard to some aspects of some relationships, it's basically incorrect when a couple's love is profound. And trust prevails. So what they're saying is basically when you trust each other, you can overcome this. In such circumstances, taking a partner for granted in a deep sense is the most natural and optimal attitude. Different senses. Do not take anything for granted, not one smile or one person or one rainbow or one breath or one night in your cozy bed. That's just a quote someone wrote. So the point is, is like, while it's not great to take things for granted, we have to acknowledge, and again, like I said, with our situation, you want, you want to know why I work so hard on myself? To catch up to you. That's the crazy part. Do you know what I mean? You think I'm ahead of you in the working on myself game? You're ahead of me in a lot of ways. So if you only need to put in, and I'm not saying this is true, but I'm saying if you need to put in 18% of your energy to get what you've gotten out of your career, I need to put in 150% of my energy because I haven't gotten that out of my career yet. And we love this mantra we've been saying. And I want to share it with everybody. And there's no exact way that we have that we say it. How does it go? Wouldn't it be crazy if it all worked out? Think of it, folks. What real if slow. it all works out? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this up again real quiet. Hey, Tasha. Wouldn't it be crazy if all my hard work pays off? Find me another way to say that. Let's say it in a few different ways. What if it all pays off? What if everything that we're working towards pays off? What if it all works out? What if people start joining the Patreon? Patreon.com slash the SAP. T-H-E-S-A-P. What if your YouTube page gets a million subscribers? What if this drone video I'm shooting just goes complete bananas viral and you get TikTok fame? (laughs) The point is, guys, is that we we operate just kind of like how Tasha operates when, with regards to spiders, we, <laughs> she operates in a place where get out of my sheets. I'm having a nightmare and I'm going to wake up scared. And that's how a lot of times we, we work, you know, with our career. 
And someone, someone, I didn't, I'm stealing this from someone else, but someone mentioned how, how odd it is. And you know, I'm kind of like anti-corporation when it comes to like people's work. And look, if you got a nine to five, you love and all that by all means, but a lot of nine to fives, a lot of jobs where you're on, on the clock, where you're, you're getting paid a salary, you're getting paid what might be a good amount, but whoever, whoever's dream it was that you're working towards, they're making a lot more than you. And the point was, is that all of these people with nine to fives, they took the safe, not all, okay, I'm generalizing. A lot of people took the safe route in life. Where did it get them now? How many were laid off? How many did? Well, plenty of people are fine and still working. I, I think we are really feeling the squeeze and really suffering, but a lot of people are able to work from home I'm right now. I'm just saying, if, if, if this wasn't, if someone out there is, has an entrepreneurial thought to them, has something they want to pursue, if this ain't the time, then when? If this ain't the time to work on yourself when the whole fucking thing is being shut down. But also security is not a bad priority. But what is the security? I'm talking about the people that that thought they had security by working at whatever the job was that they can't go to now. I'm talking about the people that 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 put aside what they loved and now they're not getting the health insurance for their family in the first place, you know what I mean? So the fact that th- there's there's a lot of cultural changes that are happening. Health insurance cannot be tied to employment because employment can go. We're noticing that with with this, you know, this uh, invisible enemy, this invisible war that we're fighting. Drink your Lysol. Disinfect your lungs. Anyway, the point is, is that take a hard look at what you want to get out of life and pursue that the way somebody with their hair on fire pursues a pool of water. Wouldn't it be nice if everything we're working hard for pays off? I find that the people I surround myself with the most, because look, we can't help it. We can't help working with a negative person. We got to scrub ourselves when, you know, if you go to a fitting with one of the negative people that's just, this isn't, and this isn't, is. man, negative people don't even know how repulsive they are. And whatever good they see just ricochets off of this orb of negativity. You cannot let good things into your life when you're not feeling that love. And you can choose your friends. You can choose like people you want to surround yourself with, but you need to be able to like, acknowledge when somebody's not your sort of like up to your level of, of like hope or self-actualizational sort of force, whatever it is you want out of life, surround yourself with people that are looking for that same thing. I mentioned that because not just you, Tasha, but we create with other people we like, we create with people we like the main goal when it's all said and done for me. And we talked about this with standup comedians yesterday is wouldn't it be nice to just go on tour with somebody that you're friends with? Wouldn't it be nice to, cause you know, I've, I've, I've performed stand-up with plenty of people, friends, but also people that freak me the fuck out. And wouldn't it be nice to have podcasts with only people that we've really gelled with? Wouldn't it be nice to share all this love? Because in the end, the more the more we can parlay our love for conversation, for self-improvement, for getting into the nitty-gritty talking about dating and relationships, the more love we have of that, the more we bottle it up and shoot it out to other people. And they're there for us. And I, and I bring that up because I've been doing my week, my monthly solo episode with Jonesy. We had a fucking awesome chat yesterday about frozen pizza. You know what I mean? I lost you. I lost you on my rant. I'm listening. Frozen pizza. 
Now, you don't get to do that thing where you just say the last thing I said and say that you were listening. I'm listening to your rambling. Who do you, you love oh, yeah. a frozen pizza? You see how we she know. cut me down? Yeah, I'm turning her mic off. You see how she cut me down? You're rambling. You listen to your rambling over there. I'm, I'm making a movement, Tasha. I got a moment happening here, okay? Okay. Are you surrounded? Do you, are you able to see and avoid the types of people that are just toxic in your life? Like what can you well, I read something the other day that I found was really interesting, and I'm going to completely butcher the quote, but they were like, you can't expect a positive outcome with a negative outlook. And that really resonated with me because I've been having, you know, uh, it's oh, quarantine is weird. It's an emotional roller coaster. I've been having a lot of. Oh, wrong one. <laughs> That's a good jam, too, though. Okay, I don't need the yurt music. Just, can you let me say what I'm trying to say? Or do you got to keep interrupting me with your stupid sounds? This now is, I don't even know what I was talking about. The sound is there. You're so rude. Oh my God. You were this talking is about I that you can't doing ex- podcasts you, with you. That's, you can't expect a positive outcome when there's somebody, when you, when you go into it with a negative feeling. That's what you're saying. Nice butchering. Turn that shit off. You can't expect a positive outcome with a negative outlook. And as I was saying before, you so rudely interrupted me. <laughs> it's been weird in quarantine. I've been having a really hard time keeping a positive mental attitude. And I don't think it's right to like force a, a, a positive outlook on yourself. But I do really struggle with, you know, how to self-actualize more favorable circumstances for myself when I feel so downtrodden and disheartened? What a good question. I'm going to repeat that. It's so hard to self-actualize when I'm feeling downtrodden. Did I say downtrodden, right? D's, downtrodden. Downtrodden. You talk like an old lady sometimes. (laughs) The fuck says downtrodden? Someone who's downtrodden. The point. Okay, look, right. that's such a great question, Tasha. No, yeah, no, like, no let's it's talk hard. About it. I, I, like today we were driving and I was like feeling really bummed about our living circumstances and we're driving through these n- this nice neighborhood and you're like, oh, let's just soak in this feeling. And I was like, what? Soak in this feeling of like disheartened, you know, like it, uh, it's tough when you're in a funk to like change your mindset. But if you don't change your mindset, how on earth can you expect to get out of it? I don't know. It's like, ooh, is I haven't figured it out yet. Being downtrodden in a moment, in a moment is fine, but it, it's almost like a depression. Depression's like not just being sad, but it's an ongoing chronic sadness, right? Like a chronic yes. pain is ongoing. It's quicksand. So how are you supposed to pick yourself up when you don't have a railing? When you don't, you're in fucking quicksand. And the only answer I have it's not blind optimism. It's knowing case studies of other people that have made the world for themselves. And I used to have this prayer that I would say, and I still do it occasionally, but it's enlarged my territory. And I would write down, I know you know this, for years I would write down uh, four or five different lines of enlarge my territory, bless me ultimately, give, you know, keep my eyes open for opportunities. Because they literally exist like the Wi-Fi. You just, you gotta, they're, they're flying by us at any moment. I think that, I think I kind of always look at things as opportunities when I go, 
like like the other day we were talking about how you didn't want to you don't want to go to auditions for projects that don't pay as you know because so, for for folks listening sometimes you've got to make less money you got to take you know, you've got, say you've got a gig that's going to pay you $400. Sometimes you got to cancel the $400 gig to go audition for something that pays you less because even though it pays you less, it'll open new opportunities to work with new filmmakers, new whatever. And that's the weird part. And, and it's up to you to read a script and go, you know what? There's fucking four spelling errors. They spelled downtrodden wrong. There's D's. You know what I mean? All that shit. You, it's up to you to realize it's not worth my time, but it's up to you to be like, and, and again, you're good at this. You're good at this in a lot of ways and you have to breathe into what you're good at. And that way it'll make, it'll take away all the room for the things you're not as good at. Do you know what I mean? You need to expand what you're good at. You're good at, at doing a unpaid or a low paying print job, knowing you might get something big out of it down the line, or you might be working with a photographer that um, has other connections. So you are good at self-actualizing. What sounds like might be hard for you to hold on to, which is hard for everybody, is having faith. Yeah, absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. It's I, I expressed this on a podcast recently that I feel a lot of envy for people who are religious because... You know, they've got this blind optimism. That <laughs> you just, said it was such a hard beat. <laughs> you said it like a swear word. They got this blind optimism. But I don't feel those feelings, you know, and I, I am a little bit envious of people who are very religious because I do feel like prayer is the same thing as like a positive mantra. And that if you're asking for the things that you want with the expectation that you will receive them, then I feel like you are uh, actualizing that for yourself. You know, that's the secret. It becomes a reality. And it's hard as someone who doesn't pray, who isn't big into mantras, you know, or at least can't remember to do them all the time to like tap into that, that blind optimism, you know, knowing that like, I want this thing and it is coming to me. It sounds like your your enemy is your own logic. You're a very smart person, which sometimes is not good. I mean, we know plenty of dumb rich people. And, you know, we know dumb poor people too. But there's people that go, you know what? I just know it's going to work itself out. And you know what? Sometimes those people, uh, because they don't know how it's going to work out, but they know it will, they keep pressing along. So opportunities keep presenting themselves in ways, well, you know, like I've been in situations where I haven't moved across the country, I'm poor as fuck, and then I'm on a film set, you know, and I'm, and the guy's doing stunts, and I go, I can do stunts. I'm a dumbass. I can't do stunts. And then they politely were like, thanks. And then the next day I get a call from the AD. Hey, can you do three days of stunts? I can't tell you how much I needed two grand. Oh, my fuck. I, I mean, poor, broke as fuck. And all of a sudden I'm doing a stunt. And if I was so worried about the logistical part of living, I would have just moved home, but I didn't move home. I stayed in New York city. I booked the gig and money just came to me. We've, we've never been horribly, uh, off. We have a lot of fears, but how can you look at the long-term faith and this long-term faith, you know, cause it can be fleeting. Absolutely. I I've had to up my game considerably due to, your worry that we're not getting there fast enough, which is a blessing in the sense I need to not lose sleep at night, but I also need to know that a little bit of pressure is good for this old coal. 
Because I, I could spend 50 years trying to work on a joke before I try to sell it. But knowing that, knowing that it would be nice to get that script sold really helps put a little fire under the old butthole. It's interesting because this sort of ties back to that Casey Neistat thing we were talking about. That like a good partner challenges you, right? Like you would be bored to death if you were in a partnership where like your other half wasn't challenging Except you. Except in my mediocrity. Well, not only that, I mean, think about the beginning of a relationship, right? In the beginning. A lot of fucking. At the beginning of a relationship, it is the chase that like makes a person attractive, right? Yeah, it's that dopamine rush. Oh, they texted me back. Right? I'm if someone in, in the beginning of a relationship was like too um, available, you would find them clingy, right? Mm -hmm. Are you following? So like, it's the same when your relation, like with your relationship down the line, if someone's too available, too comfortable, if they're not challenging you and pushing you, then not only would you be bored in the relationship, but you wouldn't be, um, you wouldn't be feeling any pressure to pursue your best self. And so a good partner increases your value by providing pressure, by being Casey Neistat's wife, <laughs> rolling her eyes in the background of his video, She's providing pressure to make him a better, more well-rounded man. Yeah, uh, to evolve uh, spiritually. To yeah, absolutely. Not be some fuck boy. Move along. Let's go. And a lot of um, a lot of, I, and I know we've had this issue where I, I, I'm sure there's been times where I go, I mean, I wish Tosh would just fucking think big picture the way I do. And I know there's times where you are like, I wish Dave would fucking think. Like little picture the way I do, and I just say little picture or I mean, big picture. Yeah, we just different. have different. We have we are looking at the world through different lenses, and I think that neither one is better than the other. They are both valuable, and if we were able to look through both lenses, then that would make us more. Uh, we we would have a better picture. Except it's a more dimensional, and in any and there's a collision course happening, and if our if my car and your car are heading in the exact you know, coming from opposite directions and meeting, you know, we're going to stop each other's momentum dead on, right? Mass times uh, velocity, whether, you know, whether, but if we, but if we're, but if, if you're going from point A and I'm going from point E, point B on a pyramid and we're heading to point C, we can static, we can collide and still keep going. And then we can join each other's momentum. It's fucking physics, bitch. It's not physics, but okay. <laughs> it's physics. It's, <laughs> it's about parlaying energy. So we can parlay each other's energy. And that's what and that's what I've learned to appreciate is go, look, she's not, you're not going to write my act for me. I still have my own thing I need to do, but I need to think, how am I going to pull the trigger on certain situations I don't want to pull the trigger on because it's awkward and it's out of my comfort zone. So a good relationship puts each other out of their comfort zone and pulls them up to higher levels. I can help you. Your, your quicksand might be too much for just you, but I can help you. We can help each other. So the faith that we're searching for doesn't have to just be found with someone who gets down on their knees at church every week. I think you believe in a structured, bigger picture. I think you do believe in self-actualizing, but what are we going to do to have the discipline and the, that meditative sort of like, uh, you know, muscle memory to just keep on knowing we're doing the right thing? We don't have to know what we're building. We just have to put the bricks down. 
So we might not know, uh, you know, you might have to be, and we had a great walk the other day where we were talking about a bunch of this. You might not know what it is about you that's going to take off. But if you present it all to the world, they might tell you and you might breathe into that. You know? So that's all, that's all we're trying to do. And we're at, we're at the end of this episode. But I think, I think I feel pretty good about it. How do you feel? Yeah, I feel pretty good. I mean, we're, we might, we might be at this for a few more months as, you know, stay at home, who knows, but I think there is a, there is a feeling of let's not have guilt for what we didn't accomplish so far on this off time. Cause we know, we know when we look back at this, can you get some of those grapes? Fucking cotton candy grapes are so good. We know, we know looking back on it, that we're going to be kicking ourselves if we didn't pursue some new, do some new fun, creative things while we had this extra time together. So we can't t- go to Costa Rica. We can't, you know, we, we're not, by the way, it's my birthday this Friday. Everyone write in birthday, six actually podcast at Gmail. So on my birthday, you know, like on, on we, we have to make do with what we have. I'm doing a zoom beer pong game. So if anyone wants to come Friday at 5 PM, that's May 1st, 2020 Pacific time, Pacific time, 5 PM. For a short nine hours long, I don't know. I'm gonna have I I got my brother's gonna play with his girlfriend from the East Coast. I gotta reach out to some other people. We're gonna reach out to some mutual friends. If there's a lot of people in the Zoom chat, I'm gonna only be able to play a little bit with each. But who knows? Maybe no one will show up. But if you're out there and you want to join the Zoom chat just to watch us play some beer pong, I might be sauced by the second game. Um, you'll have to follow my uh, social media. Follow the SAP at the the dot SAP on Instagram or at Daniels D N E A L Z at Tasha Courtney. Follow one of us on Instagram, and we'll be posting links for all that. But it's a lot. I mean, because you you when you know when we have New Year's and birthdays, we do a lot of self reflecting. Now your birthday is exactly one week after mine. Sure, you might be fifteen years younger than me, or not. But the point is, you're gonna have that birthday. During a quarantine, how are you going to feel? I think I'm going to be okay. But, uh, you know, it is, I'm, I'm feeling antsy. I would love for quarantine to last four more months. I'm down. I'm fine. I'll handle it just easy swimmingly. But uh, I'm feeling antsy about things that I haven't really, projects that I haven't really been able to get off the ground. But I think I'm starting to figure it out. So, uh I am not concerned about what my birthday is going to be like. I am sad that it's not being spent on a beach in a beautiful foreign country, but. Oh, I have a great idea. What if we, what if we do a beach zoom birthday for you? That sounds horrendous. And I only let people into the zoom chat if they're in beach attire. That could be fun. We'll stay at home. I'll get some sand. You want me to get some sand? No. We'll set up the beach chairs upstairs. We'll work. We'll work that one out. That's if a, it's a really sunny day, we can do a social distancing rooftop party. You think so? You think we'll be allowed to do that? No. Maybe we could do a drive-by. We could let people drive by, and I don't know. We'll figure it out. But the point is, is that um, it's important for us to look ahead with faith because we're doing things, and the paralysis. And again, everyone, you guys know when Tasha and I are talking about ourselves, we're talking to you guys too. That's the point, right? We've all got these sort of issues, right? No one's perfect. So we're just kind of bearing our souls here. But the paralysis that can be formed by not having faith, I mean, God damn, if you can get anything accomplished, 
So, so what are your, so again, I'm not talking to you necessarily, Tasha, but what are our options if to not have unconditional faith? Let's keep. No, that looks dark and it's definitely won't work that way, right? You can't expect a positive outcome with a negative outlook. So I think we're doing all the steps. You know, we haven't really talked about our solutions, but you know, I proposed a weekly check-in meeting to like talk about our goals for the week, for the month, our long-term goals, have a little check-in, make sure that we're on the same page, make sure that we're not only checking off our own personal goals on our individual list, but making sure that we're checking in with each other to check off our goals uh, where we know that the other person needs our support. And I've had a hard time with that. And And I've tried a little harder even today to tell you how I could use your help. And I think it worked. I think you were able to understand how you could help me. And then afterwards, flooding you with gratitude for your help. I hope you felt, I hope you received my true gratitude for your help. Because it was a challenging thing I was filming and I did need you. And it's, you know, that's, that can be tough because I, w- I want to share my vision with you with this project I'm creating. You know, on our sheet right here, and I know we got to get going. We, I've got this week goals and then I have long-term goals. And again, they tell people three-month goals are really good to have. You know, maybe we can put together three-month goals. I know part of our problem has been that I just don't read minds. So even though you might tell me what you want to do, something else always comes up. So it's important for me to know, like, what can we accomplish this week? So let's 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 add to that, Tasha. Let's figure out what we can accomplish this week. And let's just try to stay motivated in the thick of resistance we know we're going to be dealt with. We know we're being dealt with the the war of art, right? The resistance to even get the TikTok made. I mean, we had a good chat less than a week ago about all the TikToks we were going to make, you know, while we do other things. And it's, it ain't, it, we haven't done any of those yet, you know? So let's not, no guilt for what hasn't happened, but acknowledge, not just you, but both of us, we have to acknowledge what we've dropped the ball with as I've done this week, I've acknowledged a few things where I go, look, yeah, I haven't made that vi- that video. I just don't know how it's going to go. And that's on me as an editor and as a boyfriend to be able to sit down and go, all right, let's fucking figure this out, right? And it's the same thing with TikToks. I feel like TikToks are something, like there's a reason it's mostly kids on it and then, or famous actors because they have a lot of free time and it's hard to like dedicate time to scrolling TikTok, figuring out what, what video you want to make, making it, learning the dance, whatever when you've got other stuff on your plate. Uh, But I think once we get those other things off our plate, hopefully before quarantine is over, then we'll have freed up some more mental energy for TikTok. That's also a dangerous limitation to not start doing it all. Yeah, to not start until you finish it. Because I do that where I go, well, (laughs) as soon as I just do those dishes, that script's going to get written. Let me tell you. But there are things that are higher priority that do need to get done that are on our list. But... So the, the overall message is don't be downtrodden and everyone hang in there and we're doing okay and wish me a birthday this Friday. And I'm doing solo episodes every Friday, at least I'm trying to, where I'm answering relationship advice, sex advice, whatever it is. So if anyone has any advice they want, send, send it through a burner account. I'm not going to use your name, whatever. Write in sexactuallypodcast.gmail.com. Send me a private message wherever. And um, again, big shout out. I wanted to just shout out our April uh, Patreon members. So a big shout out to them that joined this month. Asma, she joined from the UK. 
Ozzy, thank you for coming back. And then Huntley Lewis, my man, the uh, architect, right? Civil engineer from Texas. Ladies, who's in Texas? I got a guy for you. He's a good looking dude, right? Look at this photo. He's a good looking dude. Hey. He's hanging in there. He joined the soap level. So we got to send soap. We're sending it this week. Soap out to Huntley. Uh, he's going to get a box full of soap and then all of our private premium level episodes. And I was going to play the clip of my chat with Jonesy. I tell you what, I will play it. I'm going to play it as when this is over. I'm going to play you guys. I don't know if it's five or eight minutes, whatever it is, but I'm going to play you an irreverent, completely meaningless clip of Jonesy and myself from our private episode where uh, I wax poetic as I talk about my favorite types of frozen pizza. Because if you learn anything during this pandemic, it is how much you can enjoy a good frozen pie. So we have that chat and I'll include that at the end of it here, just in case you want to check it out and you enjoy what's going on. Jonesy and I do this, you know, joint Patreon episode once a month. Tasha and I do, we had a, the last episode you and I did was a Patreon one, but that had legs. We had a great episode we did, I think just a week and a half ago. So if anyone loves this and you want more of it, or you just want to support us, um, we're putting the money right back into the show. We're an indie podcast. We just bought this nice uh, $700 uh, Roadcaster setup, which is this amazing um, mixer that lets us do cool things like this. And, you know, get to call, play cool things, you know, tell stories or whatever. You know what I mean? Things like that. Oh, maybe I'll play out to this song. Anyway, so all of the gear that we've been able to buy is because of your Patreon contributions. We appreciate you guys so much. So thank you so much. Patreon.com slash the sap. Patreon.com slash T-H-E-S-A-P. There's probably over 80 hours of episodes on there at this point. Anything you want to promote there, Tasha, aside your TikTok? No. Go check out our TikToks. We're making a few things. I posted one of our TikToks on the SAP's Instagram page. It was a beginning to end story of how Tasha and I got to where we are. I included the first photo from the first day we ever met and I told a story and it's uh it's a uh, it's less than a minute long and I posted a video of that on the sap if you're not into the TikTok like all the kids are. So go to at the dot sap. Actually, we got a lot of love from that. People a lot of people t uh, text and messaged us. One person said it made them cry. Wow. Yeah, this lady Shelly. She said wow. she was in tears. I don't know what. Maybe it's the Prozac. I don't know what it is. But there was something special about our story. It's unique. It's us. So it's on there. So people can go check that out. You good to go? Yeah. All right. So I'm going to play you guys out with a chat from my private episode with Jonesy talking about our favorite frozen pizza. Bye, everybody. See you next time. Do you like pizza? Lo I love pizza. Are you above eating frozen pizza? No, I had one last night. You had one last night? Absolutely. Did you know that the U.S. is running out of frozen pizzas amid this uh, ongoing pandemic? I'm not surprised. The coronavirus pandemic has seen its impact hit nearly every imaginable area across the world. Perhaps the largest industry to see its demand climb as high as ever are grocery stores, as you know. Uh, Cleaning supplies, of course, but the new hard-to-find item now happens to be frozen pizza, Dave. Stores across the states are finding it difficult to keep the easy-to-cook products in stock. Newman's Own president. Oh, did you love Newman's uh, Own? I love company. a Newman's Own. Freaking Newman's Own is great. R.I.P. The guy's name is Dave Best, uh, the president of Newman's Own. He told Adweek that his company's sales 
are 190% since the start of the pandemic. Shouldn't come as a surprise that his particular food item is seeing its demand on the rise. Bing, bang, boom. We bought two frozen pizzas from an, a, a place I'd never heard of before. What was that brand? Mike's? Mike's Frozen Pizza. Oh, where'd you get that? Got it at a... Is that at a Sprouts? We got it at a Vons. You got it at a Vons? Two small personal pizzas for seven bucks. Oh, that's amazing. And the, and the, the box is like, it got a cartoon guy, Mike on it, with very colorful. I'd never seen it before. It's an indie frozen pizza thing. I love a good indie pie. I saw several other frozen pizza companies that I had never seen before. You know what I, I had? La- booming, baby. You know what I had last night? I had a Chicago style. Yeah, Chicago style. Chicago huh? style. Yeah, almost. It, was, it had this extra like sweet sauce built right into the middle. I feel bad for anyone who's listening like in their car and they're not near any food right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I was I was at a super Walmart perusing the frozen pizza aisle like I was, uh, you know, uh, sommelier checking Ooh, out yeah. different wines yeah. <laughs> because I don't need the most expensive frozen pizzas. Sometimes I want the cheapest. Yeah, like I go, I don't need. Yeah, like well, well I'm not going the, to that. The rectangle, shit. the rectangle no. one is always the cheapest, right? The rectangle. Oh, yeah. It looks like a giant domino. It's just like, and it's always, how come, how come it's never flat? It's always it's got this concave. Curved, totally concave, always. What the hell is that? that? What's going on with that? Helios, uh, right in. Eat that? I ate that in college, like all the time. Hold on, we got Helios on the line. What's happening? What's, there's got to be a reason for it, you know? Why are your pieces concave? Here's what I do. Here's what I did last night. I cook it on the rack, right? But here's what I did. I got an extra large pizza last night of this Chicago-style pepperoni. And also, I don't want to overdo it. I, I, I'm a believer if you get pizza with too many toppings, they're just shit toppings. I might be wrong. It depends on the pie. But I got a frozen pepperoni pizza, and I put some fresh mushrooms on. But it was so big. My problem is easily the first half of this pandemic, I was eating full pan pizzas all at once. I'm talking like a full 16 to 18 inch pie. I can eat it. If I'm cooking it, I'm eating it. You eat the whole thing? Easily. Really? So what I what I did last night was I cut it in half while it was still frozen. So I only ate, and by all hey, means, so that's you still- cooked a fr- you, co- you save a half. Save a half. But the problem is like, how do you cut a frozen pizza? I just cut you get it a hard. I, or nope. a hacksaw? Like how? These things are like. <laughs> yeah, I just had a sawzall. It's like chopping concrete. No, well, it is tough, but I have put it on. T- you know, I put it on top of this um, round butcher block thing I have, and I just go with a big, a big knife and slowly slice away it. But then, so you put the frozen part away. You know, half bent, bent the whole cardboard, just shoved it right back into the in the freezer. But here's a problem: you put a half a pie on a on a rack at 450 degrees. That uh, that cheese is melting off of the it's rack. It's dripping off that half that you but slice. But I had foresight, right? We're not young bucks anymore, right? We're living life, <laughs> you right? We have you? we have so a little. What did you do? So I took a so I. T- <laughs> This is so stupid. So I take a cast iron uh, pan, put it on the shelf below the to pizza catch the to catch any cheese. And sure enough, so so I go to open it, 15 minutes on 450, this puppy's boiling, it's ready to go. I go to pull with a, with a little spatula the, the pizza off of the rack, yeah. and that's when it all started to slide. So I wasn't able to get it. Some of the cheese slid off, but it ca- was caught on the pan it below. It to the pan below. The cheese started the brulee-ing on the pan below really and then when it was cool enough to to scrape that off and eat it majestic unbelievable so it's like you had a you had a second pizza sort of or a pizza-esque little Post nothing went treat. to waste yeah nothing went to waste you i'll send you, you a photo of the next one i make i'll probably make do. the next one tonight now question why <laughs> didn't you just pour the melty cheese onto the pie from that pan before you ate it 
I just I just waited. I just waited, yeah. and it just just because it okay. was because the pie. It wasn't this pie was so cheesy that it it wasn't like I needed to like repatch a, a skid mark on the green there. It was the pie was fine without it, and then I was able to eat that. And it was and it was and you know what? Like I've been going after cheap pies like Red Baron. I don't need a DiGiorno, but you know there's you don't need a DiGiorno. I'll, whatever, <laughs> I don't need it. I'll go I'll go cheap. You know because we've I think I'm sure we've had this talk before. If you're in a bind and you stop by a Seven Eleven, pie's better than no. Pie. That that Seven Eleven pizza I've ordered a few times. Not in only my that, life. did you know this? I was on the road with Jay Hollinsworth, and he was like demanding I go find him pizza. And we went to a Seven Eleven. They'll they have full frozen pizza ready to and go. They'll cook it for they'll you. Cook it for it's you. Like five bucks. They flash cook it. I yes. don't know what kind of Scientology. They got an oven there that cooks it, it in ten minutes. Boom! I'm telling you, we're not winning any awards with it. It is it serviceable. Yeah, I've gotten it twice at Pepperoni Pizza, Seven Eleven, five bucks or five. Serviceable, and it totally does the trick. Uh, this article ends by saying Cleveland.com, which is where I believe the article is from. It was ahead of the game when the site released their rankings of 130 frozen pizzas that they tested and reviewed. 130? Did you even know that there was this many frozen pizza companies? No, that's no, out- that's outstanding. I can name, I could probably name four. Yeah, same. Same. E- e- let's do it. Elio's, Red Baron, DiGiorno. DiGiorno. Uh, and then Mike's I'm, Frozen. You got that Mike's one. Yeah. There's own. Yeah. There, uh, I mean, every most brands probably have, I'm sure that Campbell's, I'm sure everyone's probably got every one. Every store bought thing has their own as well. But that's one of the only foods where I go off of the photo. There aren't many foods where you go off of the photo on the packaging. Yeah. I'm sold on a good photo. This is a good photo of the pizza. Good photo of the pizza. Even though it never looks like that when you take it out, it at least at least shows you something what you're going to be working with. Yeah. Uh, staying on the food tip, uh, the virus can't stop Germans from getting their damn baguettes. Did you know that Germans were into baguettes? No. German gourmets refused to let a virus keep them from their favorite French pastries, with one even resorting to a fishing rod to reel in his baguettes. Residents in the German border town of Lauterbach are fond of popping across to neighboring Carling in France for their daily croissants. So when the border slams shut to slow the spread of the... A lot of S's there. When the border <laughs> slams shut to slow the spread of the coronavirus, many were bereft at no longer having access to their favorite boulangerie. But baker Miriam Jamson Boulet is going the extra mile to make sure her German customers can still have their daily loaf. Hungry customers can telephone ahead with their orders. And Jamson Boulet will meet them at the border crossing in the street outside her shop with the fresh baked delicacies uh, and deliver them with a fishing rod. <laughs> you know, I was going to say, a, it's unbelievable. a baguette is long enough that you should be able to safely hand it to somebody else. Is it six feet? Yeah, I guess it's long enough. Yeah, for it's that. not exactly, but if you, if you, it's supposed yeah. to be six feet mouth to mouth. Yeah. So if you and I both put our arms out, which That's are probably just now. under three foot each, yeah. we have plenty of space, plenty to, of space. to do and a the ba- baguette The baguette is probably off. the only one that can really fill this need here. The, 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 it's, a, it's socially what's, isolating. What's a still? longer food than a baguette? Uh, shit, I don't know. Like uh, That's a hard salami. Salami? <laughs> you get a good salami? You see the six-foot salami? This mega bratsworth. Bratsworst. <laughs> I once ate a pretzel rod that was 14 <laughs> feet, Dave. 